You are about to watch Plerud by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. As he brings to you a message from God's Word, that will build you up and make you complete in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said in the book of John chapter 15 verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We pray that as you watch this teaching you will receive the empowerment to bear much fruit in Christ. Now listen. So today we will continue teaching on the sanctification of Jesus. We will discover that Jesus by his finished work, he ended the order of the priesthood in the Old Testament. Amen to Jesus. And last we began to understand, for, for some like three weeks now, we began to understand the benefits of Jesus ending the priesthood of the Old Testament. See, why do we teach this thing? They may look like plenty English, but they are very important. Because if you don't know what Jesus has done for you, the Bible says a man being in honor and understanding not is like a beast that perish. Let me make it easy for you. When you are an honorable man, when you are a rich man, and you don't know that you are rich, you are like a chicken on the road that they cut you. So if you don't know what Jesus has done for you, life will be beating you and battering you. Life will be kicking you and punching you. And you will be crying. But you don't know that Jesus has taken care of all these things for you. Are you something? And that's why we want to reveal these things to us. And we begin to understand the benefits of why Jesus, of Jesus ending the priesthood of the Old Testament. And today we understand the other benefits of, of Jesus, and that is that the priesthood of the Old Testament that stood between the worshiper and God was ended by Jesus. Jesus ended it. The priesthood of the Old Testament. Now in the Old Testament, if you, if you go through the Old Testament, you will discover that there was a priest that always stood to make atonement for the people. He stood between the people and God. And you get what I'm saying? Without him, the people cannot assess God. Jesus ended that order. And the end, when Jesus ended that order, it made things more beautiful for us. Are you together? Now when God created Adam, he had direct contact with Adam. When he created Adam, we know the creation story of Genesis chapter 1, when God created the earth. And then if you go to the Genesis, God said, let us make man our own image and likeness. And then verse 37 said, the Lord made man, his image and likeness, made him man. Made him feel he made him dead. Then 28 says, and God breathed him, and God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue the earth, replenish the and subdue How do we know that the fish of super the earth and everybody over the creeping thing that prepared upon the face of the earth? I'm rushing this because you can go through it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28. That's not part of my team, that's what I'm rushing it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if you go to James chapter 2 verse 7, that is that God formed man from the dust, from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into him the bread of life and became a living soul. So when God created man, he had contact with man. First, what was the first contact God had with man? His hand touched the clay that he used to create man. And you know what I'm saying? Now, although this was mercy to God's hand, you know, I've never touched clay before. It's mercy. Is that not so? It's mercy. Although it was mercy to God's hand, amen, God had a feeling of excitement while he was doing this. He was excited while he was doing it. And that feeling of excitement is the same feeling of excitement that the potter has when he's creating a vessel from clay. Have you ever seen a potter creating a vessel from clay before? They have a wheel that they paddle and the wheel goes round. And they nest themselves with the clay. Is that not so? 
But you are wondering, are you that you're wearing the white coat? You're wondering why this guy messed himself. This thing is dirty. But he's excited. Why? Because his, his, his joy is in the fact that he's creating a masterpiece. So when God was making Adam, he did like some of us say, when God formed man from Joseph, we just read that God just said, when a man come from the dust of the earth, a man came. No. And you know something? God took time to form. To form. In fact, when you look at when you look at a pot and baking cream, some of the times, he makes it, he breaks it, he scatters it, he goes all over again. Is that also? Because he wants to get the masterpiece out. When God was creating Adam, he took time to form Adam. That's the reason why you must understand that you are not an accident. Neither are you a coincidence. God took time to form you. And if he took time to form you, that means your destiny is of paramount importance. When a, a potter forms a vessel, he doesn't form it haphazardly. He forms it with a picture in mind. He knows what he wants to bring down. So when the thing has not attained that state, he scatters it and brings it back to that state. And then when it attains that state, he gets it ready for what? For a high price. That is why you have high value. You are not cheap. The way some of us live our lives as Christians, we live our life as if we are the ones who created ourselves. How can you think of what you eat, what you wear, what you you just from morning to night you body yourself with thoughts as if you created yourself? I remember I heard the story about two birds that were on the electric fence, and they looked at human beings and they, were, they asked one of them to say, "Why are these people so busy like this? Why are they busy bodies like this?" You see them, they are moving from here to here, they don't rest, they don't even have time for anything, they are just so busy. And the other one says, I don't know, but maybe it seems like the way God takes care of us, maybe He doesn't take care of them. <laughs> so even birds understand that God takes care of them because God formed them. And you and I, who God formed, you see, God did not even form the birds, He spoke them to existence, but for us, He formed man. If you took time to fund you, how will you now live your life as if you found yourself? Also from what it is like as if you found yourself. God wants you to work, but doesn't want you to hustle. He doesn't want you to struggle. There's a difference. That's not my teaching for today. As time goes on, we learn that. And so God made his hand mercy, forming man. But he was excited while doing it. And you know what I'm saying? He had contact with the man. Why? Forming man. Genesis 2 verse 7, he said, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Now the word form here is from the Hebrew word Yassam. Yassam. Now the Old Testament of the Bible was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek. So that's why from time to time you will hear us use Hebrew and Greek. In the first teaching, our pastor used Greek. You just use Hebrew and Greek. Yatsal. And one of the phrases that explain Yatsal is to move into a form, especially as a potter. So when I say God had contact with clay, Yatsal makes us understand it. Is that also? So God was a potter. He molded man into a form. He didn't just speak man into existence. Are you not something? Praise God. Now this is just the truth that God had contact with what? With clay. 
why he was forming man. So why God was forming you, he had contact with your, with your frailness. Now when we talk about clay here, we talk about our weaknesses also. God had contact with everything that you complain about. God had contact with it. No food, God had contact with it. No money, God had contact with it. What else again? God had contact with every business. He formed you even from the weakest part of life, which is dust. And he had contact with you. Why for me? That's what he did to her. And number two, immediately after God completed the creation of Adam, he had contact with Adam again. He didn't just create Adam and drop him there. I get what I'm saying. He had another contact with Adam again. And where was that contact? When he breathed into Adam the breath of life. Genesis 2 verse 7 he says, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. The word breathed there in the Hebrew is the word nafak. And nafak, one of the phrases that explain nafak is literally to inflate or to blow hard. Are we, are we together? Yes. Now, when you talk about inflating or blowing hard, what comes to mind? A balloon. Are we together? A balloon. You see, when someone, when child wants to go blow the balloon, what does he do? He blows the balloon hard. And he has to hold the balloon for him to blow the balloon. Is that also? Can you blow a balloon without blowing the balloon? So when God breathed into Adam, he held Adam. This was how he, he took and helped him, and he breathed into Adam, and Adam became what? A living soul. So the first time when God was forming Adam from the dust of the earth, from clay, he, he, he soiled his hand with clay. Now when he was about to breathe into Adam, he also had contact with Adam again. So all through the creation process of man, God was having what? Contact, 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 contact with man. Praise God. that God enjoys having contact with us. Or like other creatures, if you look at Genesis chapter 1 from verse 3 down to verse 25, you see that God kept speaking, 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 speaking. Are we together? Then they laughed and they was like, let the come and bring up and they let the grass bring for the He just kept speaking. When he came to man, he spoke, but he didn't end speaking. He had contact. Are we together? He had contact. Why did God choose to have contact with man? Because of all of God's creature, the only creature that he, he, he gave his utmost importance to was the one he had contact with. Are you know what I'm And that contact God had with man in creation, he wanted to maintain and he still wants to maintain that contact. So God does not just want to touch you. Stay in touch with you. Many times, as Christians, all we want is a touch from God. And when we get a touch from God today, we take a vacation to next, next year. But God does not just want to touch you. Are you getting what I'm saying? God wants to stay in touch with you. If God just wants to touch you for once, and that is all, He would have just had contact with man while creating Adam. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then when it was time to breathe into Adam, He would have stayed from a distance and breathed into Adam. Then, one time contact would have been enough. I remember in, in a particular location where we gave missions, somebody told me, one of the people told me, they said, in that location, they tell you, 
then how can you be going to church every Sunday? When you go this Sunday, you wait. After one month, you don't go again. Then you wait. I remember my pastor told me a story of his uncle. When his uncle goes to church, he come and say, well, let us go to church. But his uncle said, but I went to church last week. He said, yes, uncle, but you have to go. He said, no, the one I learned last week, let me keep listening, let me keep digesting that one for the next one month before I go again. That understanding is the understanding that God formed man, and after forming man, he didn't touch man again. Are you getting what I'm saying? But that's the word of it. After he formed man, he, he helped man, he had contact with man again before he breathed into man. That means God wants to keep having what? Contact with man. Contact with man. And that's what he wants to do with every one of us. Not one day in, two days out. One day in, five days out. One day in, ten weeks out. No, that's not what God wants. God wants consistent contact. Are you not something? And this makes us understand that if, when Adam fell, when Adam fell, he lost his contact. That's what happened to him in the Garden of Eden. He lost the place. No, two things he lost. Number one, he lost contact. The Bible says in the cool of the evening, the Lord came to fellowship with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Now, when Adam fell, he lost number one, the contact of fellowship. And number two, he, number two, he lost the location of contact. Eden was the location of contact. Eden was before the Old Testament. Some people, eschatologists believe that it's actually located in Mesopotamia. The physical location was located in Mesopotamia. That's what eschatologists believe. But I don't know how true their belief is. I hear what I'm saying. But it was a physical location. But in the New Testament, Eden is not a physical location. Eden is a person. We explained that in some of our Sunday teachings a while ago. We have a lot of our teachings on on our anchor radio, you can go and listen to it because if you want to understand some of the things I'm teaching today, you have to go back to teachings of before. We actually do continuations. I know what I'm saying. Now, so Eden is a, is a spiritual location now in the person of Jesus. So when Adam fell in the garden of Eden, he lost two things. He lost fellowship and contact with God, and he also lost the location of fellowship and contact. So it was a double dilemma. It was a serious double dilemma. Praise God. Look at Genesis 3, verse 23. It says, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground where he was taken. So God sent him out of the garden, and the garden was a location of contact. Where God contacted man. Are you getting me? After that fall, after God sent Adam out of the garden, church your Bible, did you ever see that God contacted Adam again? Relationship and fellowship with God. Number two, he was sent out of the location for contact. That's the reason why if any man is not in Christ, he cannot contact God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Christ is the location for contacting God. If a man is outside Christ, he cannot contact God. So when Adam lost this contact and lost the location for contact, what happened? God became desperate to contact man once again. Now we must understand something, that the heart of God is out for man. Are you getting me? From the beginning, God's heart is out for you. Now most of the times, some of us think that we are the ones who are looking for God. Now let me explain something to you. Religion, here is very, religion 
is man's way of looking for God. And man can never find God. Religion is what? Man's way of looking for God. And man can never do what? Find God. We fell out what theology. Is that what's Theology. Logic means study. Theo means God. The study of God. Can you study God? Can your phone study you? Huh? Can your phone study you? Can the phone study the person you printed the phone? Can Samsung phone study Samsung company? Theology is like Samsung phone trying to study Samsung company. <laughs> and that's why I said that we keep having a dead end trying to study God. But Christ, I didn't use the word Christianity now, because Christianity means Christianos, a follower of Christ. Christ is God finding man. Religion is man looking for God and he can never find God. Christ is God finding man. And that's the reason why when you are in Christ, God has found you. You don't find God, God finds you. Yes. You don't find God. God is the one who finds you. That's the reason why I see a lot of problems in Christianity today. People are still trying to find God. That's why I say move from place to place looking for God. Either they're looking for God in what they call miracle, or they're looking for God in what they call solution. Because whenever you have a problem that you cannot solve, you need a higher pain to solve it. Is that not so? When you need an intervention of the supernatural and natural, you are, in, you are looking for God. So it's not that they are looking for God in, by looking for the solution to their problem, or looking for a miracle, or looking for working on the God that's they are looking for God. So long as you keep looking for God, I assure you, you will jump from church to church, church to church, church to church, and you never find God. Before you know, you enter inside shrine, and you still don't find God. <laughs> Jesus Christ has found you. And whatever you need, he releases it to you. There is a supply of the Spirit. Are we together? Yes. So when God drove man out of the eating, out of the garden of Eden, man had to resort to sacrifices and altars as his means of contacting God. After the fall of Adam, before the law was given, which enacted the Old Testament, man could only communicate with God via sacrifices on altars. You see where altars came from? You see where sacrifices came from? In the garden of Eden, did you ever hear about altar and sacrifice? Did you ever hear of that? No, it was not needed. It wasn't needed there. Because it was the direct access between Adam and God. But when Adam was driven out of the garden, Adam could no longer contact God. And he had to look for a way to contact God. And he had to start using what? Sacrifices and altars. And that's where you see Abel and Cain made sacrifices and altar before the Lord. Genesis 4, verse 1, And Abel, he also brought of the first name of his flock and of the father of And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. That was the source of sacrifices and altars. Some of us must have heard about teachings about altars. Is that also? They said altar. The altar in the father's house. Sacrifices that we made against you and things like that. You see, those things, I will let me not go for that. I will teach it as well. Those things were not there from the beginning. Are you getting me? Those things came because man could no longer contact God. 
you are stronger than it. That's the reason why I don't have a prayer altar in my house. I am the prayer altar. Are you getting what I'm saying? As I move, I am praying. When I sleep, I am praying. I was telling uh, Pastor, I was telling my wife of a dream I had some days ago. And in the dream, in the dream, some people came to attack my, my father's house. They came to attack. And my, me and my sibling were inside. And my mother told me, close the door. And I was afraid to close the door. So they entered inside. But as they entered inside, you know what happened? I was afraid before. I started praying in tongues. As I was praying in tongues, boldness from nowhere came. And one of them was holding the gun. And I disarmed him and threw his gun away. And I started beating him. My elder brother started beating another one there. I was praying in tongues while I was beating him. And I woke up praying in tongues. If I need prayer water, will I be praying in tongues in my dream? <laughs> I am the altar. You are the altar. That's why your business spot. You can why customer is talking to you, you can be living inside your spirit man. If the customer deals with a wrong motive as you are living up and being cadaver, the customer something will hit him if you run away. When you come to your business spot in the morning, you open your fire and the cadaver. Charlie, that's waste of time. 
listen, sacrifice of praise is praising God in pains. When it's not palatable, when the worst things are happening to you, when life is going haywire, and you still lift up your hands and praise God. When things are not going well, and you can still come to church and serve God. When life is, is turning upside down, and you can still sing to God, and still go for evangelism and still serve God, that is what is called the sacrifice of praise. Because you are not doing it with ex as it were physically with excitement. It's not convenient for you. I remember there was a time when I was a teenager, I used to attend a fellowship, and there was a day I didn't have money to go to fellowship. I trekked to fellowship. When I trekked, what the pattern about my trekking life was that I wore a bad kind of shirt. You know those shirts that when you sweat, any small sweat, it will just show. And that was the shirt I wore that day. So as I trekked to fellowship like that, that day with that shirt, on my back there was map. And one of my friends asked me, ah, you, you, did you trek to, to fellowship? I kept quiet. But that was a sacrifice of praise. I have trekked for evangelism like woman's grace. I have trekked. And I'm still trekking for evangelism. We don't go over that. It's not convenient. It's a sacrifice of praise. When you can give God the sacrifice of praise, there's nothing you cannot give to him. David gave God the sacrifice of praise, and there was nothing that was too much for him to give for building the temple. He told someone, I said, I've kept the silver for the silver, and the gold for the gold. What good? Saving for the temple. Why? Because he would keep God the sacrifice of praise. Look at Psalm 50, verse 8 and 9, and 14 to 15. Some of us have to read this very well. It says, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifice, for thy burnt offerings, to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goes out of thy foods. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the whole side. And call upon him in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt only refine thee. So God is more interested in these things than in all of our numerous plenty sacrifices. Why? Because these things are the things that actually make God contact us. Are you getting what I'm saying? And God wants contact with us. But over the years, we have been able to displace our priority as church, as Christians. We have misplaced our priority, and we have not been staying in contact with God. Now, although men raised altars and sacrifices in the Old Testament after the fall of Adam, there were few problems with altars and sacrifices too. Now, you can see from what I've told you, that there were problems with altars and sacrifices. There were problems. There were problems. Amen. Amen. And what are the problems? Number one. The state of the person who raised the altar of the sacrifice. The state of the person. The state of the person that we saw that in Cain and Abel. Is that also? Most of the time, people say that what made Cain's sacrifice, what made Abel's sacrifice, accepted before God, and Cain's sacrifice not accepted before God, was the fact that Abel used an animal, a lamb, which, as it were, is a prescription for the Old Testament sacrifice of Passover, and Cain did not use an animal. He used. Um, Cross. But I will flaunt that ideology. Why? Because that was done before the Old Testament. Are you getting it? The prescription of the Lamb was given in the Old Testament precisely in Exodus when they were about to do what? To, to Exodus from Egypt to the Promised Land. That was when God gave them the prescription of what? Of the Lamb. 
a young lamb that is spotless and without stain. That was when God gave. So, and Cain and Abel were before Moses. Is that also? So that prescription was not yet given. So that would have not been the reason why God rejected the offering of Cain. What then was the reason why God rejected the offering of Cain? It was the heart of Cain. His heart was not right to his God. So the first challenge with altars and sacrifices the heart of the, of the person. Number two, the precision of exactly how to offer the sacrifice. And you see that in the time of Cain and Abel, God had not given a precise way of offering sacrifice. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. It was in the time of Moses that God began to tell them, use a lamb. But let me understand something. Abel and Cain, they were two different people. Are you getting what I'm saying? Abel's heart was towards God. Cain's heart was towards himself. So the actual fact is that God had not given prescription, but Abel who had a heart towards God was certainly by intuition and by, the, by his heart being towards God was no what that meant to be. But not that God had given a standard. I you know what I'm saying? So number two, the precision on how to carry out sacrifices, which was a problem with sacrifice and all time. And then number three, what to offer. What to offer. You see that? What to offer. Cain brought first fruits. Fruit of the brought the fruit, uh, crops and even brought a lamb. What to offer was also an issue. And if you go to the, 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 the principle of the first fruit, the first fruit of God necessarily means it must be a livestock. It can be uh, what do you call it? A crops. Are you getting it? And in the new, now in the New Testament, Jesus is the first fruit offered to the Father. And if you still want to practice first fruit, it is your first salary for the year. So you are not doing animal. You not carry your salary. How much is your salary? 500 Ghana cities. You now carry your salary two boots. Two lamb, two spotless lamb. Is that the law to get a spotless lamb? And come on, you know what I'm saying? So you see, this, this altar and sacrifice thing, you can see the challenges involved in it. Are you getting it? Now, in a bid to solve these challenges, God instituted the priesthood. Are you getting it? He gave the, the, the instruction to Moses and then the priesthood was instituted. And in instituting the priesthood, he, he, you see that God began to tell them the kind of lamb to use and gave them different turtle dough, where to use turtle dough, where to use this, where to use that, so as to solve these problems. Are you getting it? And so, the priesthood was indispensable in the Old Testament because without it, man could not communicate with God. Neither could man talk for his sin. First, man lost everything. Now, altars came. Altars was a challenge. God brought priesthood. Are you seeing it? You have to follow the progression. Priesthood was solving the problem of altars and sacrifices because people did not know how to go about it. Are you getting it? So the priesthood became indispensable in the Old Testament. You can't atone for your sins without a priest. You can't communicate with God without a priest in the Old Testament. Now, although God solved the first problem, another problem arose again. That's life. When you saw for what that will become. Is that so? And that problem arose again. And the problem arose was what? It was the individual continuity of the priest. What does this mean? Among other limitations, the crucial limitations faced by the Old Testament priesthood was lack of individual continuity, which was facilitated by death. Priest must die. Is that also? It's a human being, he must die. Even if he lives for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, he must die one day. The priest could not live forever. Now, 
There are two reasons why death was a serious challenge to the priesthood. Now we can see something. Adam in the Garden of Eden, let's remember, there was no need for altars. Is that not so? There was no need for sacrifice. Is that not so? There was no need for uh, practices. When Adam lost the, the fellowship with God and the Garden of Eden, he had to, man had to resort to altars, sacrifice, and practice. If you go to Leviticus, you will get, if you are not careful, you will get bored. Because he practices very much. Very much. Man had to resort to altars and sacrifice. Altars and sacrifice, they were challenged with altars and sacrifice. God brought priesthood. Priesthood now is to carry out all the practices so that man will not have to be doing it by himself. But there's a challenge with priesthood. Priesthood will die. <laughs> so you can see the succession of solution that brings challenge that God has to that God has to deal with and I like explaining like this to us so we know where God came from to help us and so if God came this long to help you I don't see the reason why you should going back to that thing that God says is not useful to you yeah I always tell you that the New Testament church is still behaving like the Old Testament Israelites. Yeah. The New Testament, we, we, we say so we are Christians, we are still behaving like Old Testament Israelites. If I were to was not there. Because the things that God has said, we don't need a king. We are holding them like no one's business. God has made life easy for all, but we say no, we want hard life. Why are we like that? I don't understand. So the reason why death was a challenge was because number one, no matter how good the priest was, he could not live forever. Is that not so? He must die. Although a new priest would replace him and the duties and practices remain the same, there still lies some individual differences, which is natural and normal. You understand what I'm saying? There are still some differences in the priest, individual differences. That's a natural thing. You and I cannot be the same. Can we be the same people? We cannot be the same. By nature, we cannot be the same. Can we be the same? So there will be some difference. The way I do my things, the way I talk, the way I think, is different from the way you talk and think. Even two identical twins, they are, the, the lines in between their fingers are different. There are chromosomal differences. There are different differences. There is one different difference that differentiates us from each other. And this is what makes the challenge of the death of the priest another serious challenge. Now, although the priest was assigned to the Levites and it was successive, thus it did not lack continuity. The individual priests were also a source of concern. An example of this were the sons of Aaron who offered strange fire. You see that? So the individual priests, though it was a continuous thing because the Levites were to handle it, but the individual priest was also a source of, source of concern. Example, the sons of Aaron. Leviticus 10 verse 1, look at this. It says, Another and a people, the sons of Aaron, took it out of them with censor and put fire therein, and he put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord. Which he commanded them not, and what ended it? God killed them. So Aaron was a good priest, but look at his sons. They just carried fire when God did not command them. In fact, God did not even call themselves, they just called themselves, carrying fire, and then turn on his authority. And God said, Who called you here? He killed them. They died. So individual priests was an issue. Are you getting me? And then another thing there was that. The fact that the death of a particular priest, the second challenge was that the death of a particular priest meant no communication between man and God for that period. 
Are you understanding? Now, when a priest dies, he will be replaced by another priest. But for the period it takes when he dies and when the new priest comes, that period, God will not communicate with man. <laughs> Even if it's two days, God will not communicate with man for two days. And why did God bring the priest to? Because he wanted communication, he wanted contact. Are you getting what I'm saying? So in now, the reason why I brought the priest is for contact, and now the priest that I cannot contact for two days. And this problem is still there in a way. Are you getting what I'm saying? So this was a big challenge because it happened from time to time. And God did not and does not want repeated breach or break in communication with man. Are you getting what I'm saying? God does not want break in communication with us. You see, why am I taking time to break this down for us? See, we need to understand something. Many of us believe so much in people prophesying to us. I'm not against it. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a place for the prophet. But you know the place for the prophet in the New Testament? I've said this in this church over and over again, and I will say it forever. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, and one that it says, God, who at, who at sundry times of old spoke through the prophets to our fathers, has in these times spoken through his son Jesus. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand what it means? Do you understand that message of scripture? Okay, let's look for a simpler transition to help you understand. Let's look for a simpler transition. And I'll give you the reason why I am giving you this translation, this verse of scripture, so it will help every one of us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Alright, let me, let me use a simpler translation. Compare. Okay. Is it English? Many years ago, God spoke to our grandfathers, Israel's people, by the prophets, people who spoke God's message. He spoke many times and in many different ways. Do you understand? That's easy. Is that also? Is that easy to understand? That's easy. Many years ago, God spoke to Israel's people, our grandfathers, through what? Prophets. Now let's go to the, go to the verse 2. He said, but in these last days, in these last, what days are we? Okay. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us by what? Son. By who? Son. But is this the reason by prophets? By who? Son. Okay. It's bad when I'm reading You can go and read it for yourself again and again. He has spoken to us by what? His son. Verse 1 says, In the old days, he spoke by prophets. Verse 2 says, In these last days, he has spoken by what? His sons. Why has he spoken by his son? Simple thing contact, communication. God wants direct contact with us and direct what? Communication. Now you ask me, but are you saying that the office of the prophet is no longer in existence? It is still in existence. What is the office of the prophet? The office of the prophet is to confirm what the Son of God, Jesus, is saying to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so when Jesus is speaking to you and you are not listening, God now sends a prophet to confirm what Jesus is speaking. Are you getting it? But if you can listen to what Jesus is saying, what you do not, let, let, let me go for that. I say 
there is by his son. And God has chosen that everything should be his son. God made the whole world by his son. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was the word, and the word was God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 6 says, and God said, let me let that go So God created the world by his own word, which is his son, Jesus. And you get what I'm saying? Which is his word. So God communicates with us through words. And what is the word of God? Jesus. This is God's communication to us today. Are you getting what I'm saying? This way God speaks to us. Jesus, the word of God. Now, when God speaks to you through his word, and you still do not want to hear, you close your ear, in his mercy, he may send a prophet to confirm what he was saying to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? But if you know how to accept his word as he said it, he will send a prophet. The word is enough. Open enough. God wants direct communication and direct contact. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are we together? And we live in times where people are looking for prophets, 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 prophets. I'm not against prophets. But if you know how to communicate with God directly, you are looking for prophets. There was a particular friend I had in ministry. He was like a prophetic voice to my life. Are you getting what I'm saying? He was easy. Give me prophetic words from God that I knew were true. The response he told me said, he said, Pastor Chimpi, the prophetic grace of God at work in your life, you will not hear it. You will not hear your ears. See, but the moment you speak, it will be God speaking. And as he said, I said it is true. I knew that that was true. Why? Because whenever I start functioning in one knowledge or in the prophetic, I don't hear my ears. I cannot say. I just open my mouth. Sometimes I have a sensation in my spirit man. I start to speak. And I open my mouth. And as I begin to speak, I begin to speak the word of God clearly. And I begin to speak concerning people's cases. I hear something. It was a prophetic voice in my life. But at the point in time, the relationship started going down, down, completely, completely separated. And I was wondering why is this relationship going apart? The reason why it was going apart is because God did not want me to depend on a man to get my religion. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting it? He didn't want me to depend on a man to get my religion. He wanted me to depend on his own. And I tell you the truth, the way God leads me is by his word. I'm telling you, ask my wife. Ask my wife. Every decision we make, I make in life, I will trace it to the word of God for you. Quite down. If you take my diary, you see, you see scriptures I write. What God is saying at time. What God is saying at time. And that is how it works. That is how it works. working. By the word. Are you getting it? Praise God. Now, so God discovered that there was a bridge in communication from time to time. How did he solve this bridge? How did he solve it? God solved this bridge permanently by sending Jesus, the priest who never dies, and who will not die, and who cannot die, and he will live forever. When Jesus came to earth, the problem of the priesthood that ends from time to time, the priest died from time to time, Jesus finally solved it. Why? Because he's a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, a priest that cannot die, a priest that lives forever. And because he lives forever, it means that God's communication with man will be forever. That means there will be no breach in communication. There will be no break in communication. When the priest dies, there is a break. But Jesus came, and Jesus came to enter. The way he stepped enter, God began to communicate.
That means till eternity, God is still communicating with us. This priest does not die. He lives forever. And I let you understand something. Do you know the reason why Jesus left planet Earth? After he fulfilled his assignment, why did he leave planet Earth? The reason why Jesus left planet Earth was because he didn't want man to focus on a man to communicate with God. In the Old Testament, man had to focus on man, which was a priest, to communicate with God. And so Jesus came, he died, he resurrected, and he left so that we know how to focus on man to communicate with God. So long as he's with the Father, we focus on the Father. That's the reason why in the New Testament, we don't need, we don't focus on priests. Let me tell you something. You are a priest, I'm a priest. You don't focus on me. I don't focus on you. The Bible says, looking out to Jesus, the auto and finisher of our faith. I don't look at my pastor. I don't look at my apostle. I don't look at my bishop. I don't look at my evangelist. I don't look at my reverend. No, 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 no. That's wrong. You look at the priest that never dies. And that's why he not stay here with you. If Jesus has stayed on earth with us, his place would have been limited. Why? Because he would have been in one location at a particular time. And so everybody will have to travel to look for Jesus in order for them to communicate with God. But he said something. He told his disciples, I am going, but this is what I will do. I will not leave you helpless. The word helpless there is from the Greek word orphanos. And it's the word orphans. Where the word orphans is coming from? He said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as people who are fatherless and motherless. He said, I will send you a helper. And the word helper there is from the Greek word paracletos, which means a helper of the same kind. There is something you call the paraclesis, and there's something you call the paracletos. The paraclesis is a helper of a different kind. Why the paraclesos is a helper of the same kind? And the paracletos is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in the paracletos is Jesus in us in the spirit form. So when Jesus, the priest that never dies, went to the Father in heaven, he came to us in the spirit form. So that we don't need to look at a, a, a human being to, to be able to communicate to the Father. He's residing in us, yet he's before the Father. Carrying out his priestly office before the Father and also carrying it before inside of us. As a result of that, you don't need to focus on any priest because the priest that never dies is before the Father. Look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 23 24. It says, and then fully were many priests because they were not so far to continue by reason of deaths. But 24, look at it here. It says, but this man, talking about Jesus, because he continued ever, had an unchangeable priesthood. This man, because he continues forever, his priesthood cannot be changed. That is the reason why you can have perpetual contact with God. You don't need to call a man to call God. And you understand what I'm saying? You don't need to talk to a man to talk to God. You have the priest, the perpetual priesthood, the perpetual priest before the Father. Talk to him, you are talking to God. I remember once, my spiritual brother told me something. He said he went to meet a man of God, and when the man of God treated him, he felt bad. He said that he came out of the man's church, he stood at the front of the church, and he looked into the church, and he looked up, and he asked for the question, and said, God, this man, she is who he talks to. Is that also? And I have the 
same communication line with you. From now, henceforth, I will never talk to a man, I will only talk to you. It's time to start using the perpetual and, and an everlasting priesthood of Jesus. Enjoy this contact. Before you call your pastor, call God. Before you call a prophet, call God. Before you call an apostle, call God. Before you look for prayer, look for God. I remember when I was telling, I was telling, I was telling my, my, my mentees then, I told them the same power that God has given me, has given you. You don't need me to cast sickness out of your body. And one of them said one day he felt a sharp pain in his back. And he wanted to call me for prayer. And he remembered this one. Pastor told us that we don't need him to cast sickness out of our body. The same power God has given him is the same power God has given to every one of us. He said that he put his hand on the pain and he caused the pain. He said, Pastor, immediately the pain disappeared. Because there is a priest that lives forever. He had done away with the old priest. See, do you know why I said the church of Jesus, the New Testament church is still living like the New Testament? Because we are still looking for man of God up and down. Is it lie? Man of God, pray for me. Man of God, touch my head, touch my legs, lay hands on me, lay leg on me, lay teeth on me. Is that not what I'm looking for? Man of God, prophesy, go deeper, prophesy, prophesy. We are still looking for some Old Testament priests. When the new priest is a priest that lives forever. He's not on earth, he's in us. Our communication line with God is perpetual. See, let me tell you something. As a child of God, you don't need any laying of hands or laying of leg to deal with the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have the priest inside of you. Activate him. Your communication with the Father is intact. So the priesthood of Jesus is eternal, is uninterrupted. Due to this, there can be no interruption in communication between God and man. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3. I say, Wherefore, he is able to save them that believe to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. See, this is what I want you to understand. Adam lost this communication and contact in the Garden of Eden. God restored it through Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? This communication is intact. All you need to do is communicate. This contact is intact. All you need to do is communicate. You can touch God wherever you are, wherever you want. In your house, you can touch God. In your office, you can touch God. In the bathroom, you can touch God. Wherever. Where you are sleeping, you can touch God. Anywhere you are, you can touch God. You already have the priest in you that lives forever. Communicate with him. You can touch God. You can touch God. You can touch him. You can talk with him. You can communicate with him. You can fellowship with him. The only thing I know, and this is the way we merchandise priesthood in this in the church today. We make it so Old Testament-like. You need your man of God for every prayer. Child of God, you don't need to be for every prayer. You know what you need for every prayer? He's in you. The Holy Spirit. He's present in you. That's what you need. Touch God. Touch Him. Communicate with Him. By the grace of God, I train people so that they don't need me. You don't understand. I train people so that they don't need me. 
because I traveled from a journey back home on a Saturday I arrived, and on Sunday I was to preach in church. I just came from a journey, I came in the evening and I was tired. And by 4 a.m. I saw an unknown number calling me. I didn't pick. And by the time I came to church on Sunday morning, after preaching in the service, as I ended the service, one of the ladies told me, said, Ah, Pastor, one of our members was calling you. I said, I saw one this call. I don't, I don't take this calls. It's me. I don't take this calls. I'm sorry, I don't take unknown calls. So I don't take unknown calls. I'm at two. I came from Johnny. I'm tired. What is the problem? I'm having this. I'm to preach the next morning. I just came from a five hour journey. I'm rest. Said, okay, what happened? Said, man, she was calling me because her husband actually died. Eh? Said, she's a nurse. Said, as she, before she saw her husband, she saw the signs as a nurse. The guy's eye went up, and all of a sudden, all the, the pores disappeared. The guy went. Said, as he went, she started calling me. I was not picking. And thank God I was not picking. Hallelujah. She was calling. She said she used her daughter's number to come. I said, what's the problem? Your own number said, maybe if you call me, I will not pick. It's not your daughter's number. I used to call me that way. I don't have your daughter's number. She said that she called me. I was not picking. She said, this one is me and this one. If I don't deal with this matter, pastor is not picking my call, so I will deal with it. Hey! She said, all of a sudden, all the tongues she knew, she started releasing them upon her husband. Prayer, prayer, prayer.
Today, I follow you forever. And I say go to the devil forever. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for everyone who has prayed this prayer. I ask for the grace to follow you all the days of their life. Amen. I ask that it shall be rooted and built up in you. Amen. And I ask that it shall never leave you. Amen. They shall maximize your priesthood forever. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you could pray one prayer, lift up your two hands today. I want to say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus I, receive the grace I receive the grace to always use your priesthood. I receive the grace to only focus on you as my eternal priest. Never to focus on any earthly priest, but to focus on you alone. Open your mouth and make that prayer this morning. Jesus. Amen. And I decree today, the Lord bless and keep you. 
The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his kindness upon you and give you peace. As the month of February comes to an end today, it initiates you into glory in the month of March in the name of Jesus. In the month of March, you will march into greatness. You will march into super flaws. You march into the divine orchestrations. Your path will be alive in the month of March. In the name of Jesus, I decree the month of March, things will turn around for your good. Expected. You never lose in 
that direction. Watch out for this week. It's the first week of the month of March. Watch out for this week. There are strange manifestations of the supernatural. Heaven is not be walking in your direction. Heaven is not be pushing things in your direction. I see, I see, I see a cartload of goodies being pushed into somebody's direction. He said, but what I have for you is in another direction. Now the Lord said today, you have been going in another direction, but what I have for you is in another direction. He says, I'm calling your attention back. Come back, and I will take you to the right direction, say the Spirit of the Lord. I will take you to the right direction, say the Spirit of the Lord. I did really speak to be a week of eye-opening revelations. You will have dreams. You will see visions. You will hear the voice of God clearly what you hear. You will open your Bible and you will see the word of God jump into your spirit. Yeah. Revelations for direction. Yes, Revelation for precision. Yes, this week it shall come your way in the name of Jesus. Yes, but somebody I hear testimonies. Yes, testimonies. Yes, you will testify. Yes, you will testify. Yes, you will testify. Yes, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes, I pray for everyone who is sick in their body or anybody you know who is sick in their body. If you know anybody who's sick in your body, or if you're sick in your body, just put your hand, your right hand on, your, on that part of the body and lift up the left hand. If you are standing for somebody, do that. If you are sick, do that. And I'm going to be praying for everyone who's sick. And I'm going to be causing sickness and disease. And in the name of Jesus, I cause sickness and disease. I cause swellings. I cause lungs and tumors. I cause aches and pains. I cause, I cause, I cause paralysis. I cause stroke. We believe you have been blessed watching and listening to this teaching. We invite you to watch and listen to more Pluru teachings by Pastor Chumdi Ohahuna. You can subscribe and watch our YouTube channel for more videos of these series and other series. Or listen via Grace Life Podcast on Anchor FM. We would like to hear from you via email, if you made the prayer of salvation and would like to share your testimonies from this ministration. Grace to you.